1: And you're listening to the Celtics Life podcast. Welcome, everybody, inside the Celtics Life podcast. I'm Mark Allison here with my man Justin Quinn. We are right now on uh, basically on uh, Celtics vacation uh, with a three game break after the Celtics now riding high, two games to none on the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, to the shock of many people uh, around the NBA. And we're here. We are waiting for game three in Cleveland, uh, Saturday night, three days off, kind of wild. Justin, how are you biding through the time?
0: Well, I am trying to get everything that hasn't been getting done done just because of all the stuff I've been writing about and other stuff going on with the Celtics. It's been really hard to keep up with with just, just a complete wealth of information out there to talk about. So without further ado, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm pretty pretty happy.
1: <laughs> well, since, since the last time we potted, uh, the Celtics won their, final, their last series uh, with the Philadelphia 76ers uh, in five games. Also, to the surprise of many people, uh, lots of folks thought that was uh, not going to be a Celtics victory. Never mind a, a Celtics uh, winning four games to one. Um, thoughts on the, uh, the finish of the series, Justin? We had a uh, pretty exciting game five. A couple of
0: thoughts. The last two-minute report came out and showed that Smart fouled Embiid, uh, that he traveled on a steal, and that you know Big Powdy Baby, a.k.a. Joel Embiid, uh, was right about the non-call. And you know what? I don't really care because I had to sit through game four.
1: I was I was just gonna say after what we had to deal with in Game Four, uh, too fucking bad. But um, it, uh, <laughs> yeah. anyways, and, and you know that the Marcus Smart the, on the, the travel on that steal is absolutely ridiculous. You know, I mean, I under, he came down from the air. I, I understand maybe he shuffled some feet in there. You know, um, on that steal, there isn't a referee. Uh, Tim Donaghy would not have called that a travel if he was, uh, you know, doing the Lakers uh, Sacramento series from back in the day. It's just nobody is making that call. So it, it seems, seems ridiculous to even bring that up as part of the last two-minute report.
0: Yeah, it kind of seems like they just wanted to, you know, throw a little something else in there. But if they, if they called that kind of, quote-unquote, traveling – on a regular basis, the sport would be unwatchable.
1: Yeah, no, no kidding. And and you know what? I to to their credit, uh, Philly fans. I did not. People were always questioning calls during the game and whatnot. But I didn't hear a ton of flack after the game for that stuff. Or or like, oh, look at this. I, I think they were just really bummed about their team's performance in the series and uh, didn't so much as blame the refs. And maybe it's because they know the refs gave them that game four. But <laughs> it, even you know, it's. Uh, I I, I got to give them credit where credits due because I didn't see a lot of that after the game. No,
0: I didn't either. And they're going to be good next year, and they know it.
1: So. Yeah, I, I mean, I think. Uh, well, I, I I here's the thing though. I mean, you know how we've been saying the Celtics, everything's been gravy for the last couple of series here. Uh, we 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 all kind of thought we'd win the first round against the Bucks, but anything past that is pretty much gravy. Winning that last series so big was was huge, obviously. Um, I, I do think the Philly fans thought going into that series that they were going to be at least playing in the eastern Conference Finals, don't you
0: I think they did and they had a good reason to I mean on the Correct. surface we've talked we've talked kind of at length about how the last yeah third to definitely quarter but third of their schedule was mostly cupcakes and and not incredibly difficult teams and definitely none of the league's top teams
1: Their so, little winning streak at the end there you mean yeah so it wasn't it wasn't you know, anything too... A little bit of a mirage, for sure.
0: Exactly. I don't want yeah. to poo poo it too much, but.
1: No, I mean, yeah, and, and it's, I mean, right, it's impressive either way, but at the same time, we, we were taking note of that uh, weeks ago that, yeah. you know, it, there was a lot of bum teams in there, a lot of tanking teams, catching those guys at the end of the year. That's kind of an ideal road into the playoffs, <laughs> but um, at least for positioning wise. Maybe not so much for the skill level of, uh, of your team. Maybe maybe that had something to do with them not being as sharp as the, perhaps they should have been. Teams that are kind of rolling over.
0: I think it did. Mm-hmm. I think it did, but this brings me to another team that isn't performing as sharp as they should be, based on what we saw in the last round. Mm-hmm. That, of course, being the Cavaliers. As you said, we're up two to zero and this after they basically waxed the floors mm-hmm. in toronto what do you think about that i mean was toronto really that bad or was I, it a I, see or
1: what? i think that says a lot more about toronto than it does about cleveland they got taken to the woodshed last year too uh, toronto fans uh have been just they they've been seeing this coming for a while now you know i like they weren't even and nearly as excited as as you know you would have thought going into um, going into the playoffs, only because they just knew they were going to poo poo in the playoffs like they like they always do. They for whatever reason, uh, some you know obviously the team has put a lot of that on the coach uh, sending Dwayne Casey packing, uh, even though he's he's up for coach of the year. We'll get into that a little bit later, but um, uh, but the um. I mean, I chug it up more to the players not stepping up to the moment. I, I like – it's a player's league. I understand that we have Brad Stevens, and he makes a huge difference. But there's – I to me, there's only a handful of coaches in this league that make a massive difference. And um, maybe Dwayne Casey is or isn't one of those coaches, but I, I put that on the players just not stepping up. There's no way they should have got swept by Cleveland. Like, this Cleveland team – yeah, I mean, they could lose the series, but there's no reason they couldn't have won at least a game in that series. I mean no, that's No, I mean, maybe lost, but... That you're the one seed. Uh, they played really well all year. That That's something, you know, that's something in the stones or something like that, you know? That's uh, I, that's on the players, if you ask me.
0: In a nutshell, like, I get why they can Casey, you know, even though he gave them, I think, their best record maybe ever. It was ever, in
1: franchise and- history.
0: Yeah, okay, good. I'm not making that up, I don't think. Close to it, if not. That, in and of itself, to me, should be pretty indicative of how desperate this franchise is to do something more than what they've done so far, and I don't think this was the right move to do it, because realistically there's a very limited field of, of known candidates out there, as you were kind of hinting at, that Will really improve the situation for them, and if not Casey, then who? You know, we could have had Boomholzer mm-hmm. there, but now he's with the Bucks. And other than that, there's really nobody out there with a pedigree now in the modern style of play that look like they can at least be his equal, and maybe maybe better. You know, I mean, there's untested people uh, like Atori Messina and Becky Hammond from the Spurs organization. You know, maybe Fisdale might have been an interesting option, mm-hmm. but they, they waited too long on him. There, there, there's there's a lot of things that they could have done better to prepare for next season. And I realize it's all about optics, but now they're in a situation where they either need to tear it down, in my opinion, or just really, really nail it with, with a coaching hire. Because who are they going to hire that has a, a – reliable you know evidence based record of performance at the level that trying to at least ostensibly because
1: at at Yeah and I mean you, you mentioned somebody like Budenholzer I I think I put him in the same uh category as Casey where he gets uh a team to play well all season and I I mean look at those Atlanta teams he had some great teams uh when Horford was there and they never they didn't even play in the Eastern Conference Finals did they
0: I don't think they did. No.
1: No, no. The second, second round was probably the first. They probably won a series of one or two years, right? So
0: I, I believe they made it to the conference finals and were swept by LeBron one season.
1: Okay. So, sixth, the, the, the <laughs> were you even season. really there if you didn't win a game? I mean, were you even really there? <laughs> and, and exactly,
0: <laughs> right. like, this is the what they're trying to it's get It's almost the exact, the
1: right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, But I would argue that this Toronto team had more talent than any of those Hawks teams did like star players. I
0: would say so. I would say so. I mean, in depth as well. They really were built into. Yeah, the I mean, that,
1: that's what they were heralded for all year: is how deep that team was and how well that bench played. They
0: should have crushed them.
1: They they should have been able to make that a series. It's still, but I. Anyways, let, let's move on before we get too hung up here. Um, their Toronto is out. Uh, the Celtics and the Cavs. Uh, we've had two games. First one was an absolute blowout. Unbelievable game. A really fun game to watch if you were a Celtics fan. I was losing my mind. Thoughts on that game one? Uh, you know, just a total massacre.
0: Favorite game of the year to cover so far, and there's been a couple of really good ones. Uh, I really enjoyed watching it while trying to figure out how I was going to transliterate what i was watching just like poetry and basketball motion completely
1: what am i watching yeah i was just i just
0: kept waiting for lebron to just go nuclear
1: yeah and it It never happened no it's that that's that marcus morris effect right Um. i was
0: really worried about those comments that he made about guarding yeah i'm the best besides Kawhi. That's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, just go wave a red flag in front of the bull. That's a great idea, dude. And it
1: worked. Well, somehow he's got, somehow he's in his head, I think. You know, uh, and in game, well, although we saw what he did in game two. You know, game one blowout, got the, a lot of guys, um, everybody was shooting well in the Celtics. The Cavs shot horrendous. Uh, I think we all assumed coming into game two, it was going to be a different, a different look altogether. Uh, LeBron came out swinging. Uh, 21 in the first first quarter. He, he hit 42 for the game. He had a triple double. And yet we took basically, I mean, that's just about as good of a punch as you're going to get from LeBron. The other guys shot pretty well. I think they shot what? the a team
0: something like that. Much better than the last game, definitely. I mean, Right.
1: I mean, they they that's they had a de- a good offensive night, like that not nothing out of this world, and yet with LeBron doing that, the team shooting well the Celtics didn't shoot particularly well, and yet still we came out on top. How how did that happen, Justin? What was uh, what was your breakdown of game two?
0: Well, I mean, it was it was really execution of. Okay, so I'm going to back up a little bit just just real quick and take a look back at the last two rounds. Okay, the the first round against the Bucks, it was kind of like a very very poor man's version of what we're seeing with the Cavs. Then we move on to the next round and face a dominant scoring player again with some actual shooting around him this time. Mm -hmm. And we kind of, you know, leveled up, if you will, Mm -hmm. and kind of added to the skill set that was needed to defeat them. Right. And, And then we come to this series... And in theory, there is even more shooting around. You know, mm-hmm. kind of older, kind of you know, dare I say, washed. For at least JR and Corver, mm-hmm. most nights they can still go off. I'm not saying they're completely washed.
1: More so, Corver they are, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I,
0: I, well, actually, lately I don't even know.
1: Yeah, no. Well, Cor- Corver did have a good game too, so he did. Yeah. So
0: what we won't put J- blame to JR her.
1: did not, but no, we'll get into JR that. JR was <laughs> awful.
0: Yeah, we can get into that. And try let's 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 try not to uh destroy him too hard, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Um what what really ended up happening was hold down the perimeter. And whenever LeBron tries to come inside, switch either Al or Baines onto him with switchable help from, from whoever is nearby, if possible, without letting him up on the perimeter mm-hmm. too much. And that this is a lot easier to say sure. than do. It is really, really hard, particularly as we saw in, in the first quarter. like I really was pretty sure that they were going to take that game until basically nobody showed up, except for a little bit from Kevin Love. Kevin Love had a, a pretty decent night uh, playing that night as well. But really, he was the only other person who was having anything even vaguely resembling uh, a playoff team-level game. So that is really a testament to just how tightly connected this group has has become and that really more than anything else like the communication and leadership of Al and Brad working with this group that really like they are they are very attuned to what they need to be doing with each other there doesn't seem to be any ego getting in anybody's way it's really kind of the polar opposite of what we're looking at with the Cavs
1: Yeah, so, I mean, the Celt- you're, you're right. Total day and night. Celtics look like um, a well-oiled machine. Uh, and the communication, I don't know if it was. Uh, uh, it was the post-game press conference after game two. Um, and it, I, I think it was Kevin Love. But it was Kevin Love and LeBron at the podium. And they were saying um, about, the, you know, one huge thing that they really noticed from the Celtics is that communication. I mean, these guys on the other team can see it. You know, and that's, we, we, you know, we've got our quarterback on defense and Al Horford back there. And then these guys, the, the guys around him, they're all at least everybody on the floor is pretty much a capable defender, but at, you know, bottom grade, you know, everybody can play defense. Everybody hustles to play defense. Most of the guys are above average defenders. They're quick, um, quick hands, quick feet. And the, to see them shift, it, it's like, it's, a, it is like watching poetry. You, you watch that, you know, it's like some kind of trap they set for LeBron where it's either Horford or Baines step up and then somebody else crowds him from the other side. Uh, it's like sometimes they force him to pass it away from the side where there's the open guy and they're passing it to guys that are covered. Um, I, it's it, it really is has been the key. I mean, that, because like you said, we were saying before, they outshot us. LeBron went off and yet still we were able to beat them. And that's because we're forcing turnovers, making them make mistakes and I mean, that's if you were going to go into this series, that's how you'd have to figure we'd have to beat them that, or we would have to completely shoot the lights out, which we haven't done, um, at least not in the last game.
0: We haven't really needed to either, just because the you know they have improved defensively in the postseason. I haven't checked where they rank out of playoff teams, but they're still really, really bad, and they're just not stopping anybody, particularly when there's a mismatch, and there very often is.
1: So and and another thing, um, uh, with with Brad Stevens, uh, he's able to exploit situations where he sees he has advantages. Uh, I think it's something that we see all year long, and we've see, I've seen it a lot in this series in particular. Uh, is Marcus Smart backing down people? Uh, they get him on Corver, they get him on uh, George Hill, and uh, I, there was a play in Game Two where Marcus Smart got the ball in the post fell down on the ground, kept his dribble alive, got up, back down. I think it was George Hill and, and just scored right over the top of him. Like,
0: I think you hurt yeah, his ankle it, doing that
1: too. It was when he hurt his ankle. Right. I remember my buddy yelling that, that his ankle was, uh yeah, he was hurt. And then, and then that was the, the very next play was, um it was just shortly after that was when he, um they, they had that big turnover spree too, where uh, we had the back to back Marquise Morris buckets. It, it I remember Smart fell down and I said, he's going to get up and still post this guy up. And he he did. I mean, it's like no help game. They got this guy one-on-one, like just Marcus Smart, the scouring report on him has to be out around the league that if you put a small point guard or a, uh, you know, frail player behind him, he will back them down all the way to the bucket and score right over the top of them. Uh, he's done it all year long. And it's that I attribute to, Tyrone Lou, it's, what are you doing? You know, I, there are, like, we talk about, like, you know, obviously, it was, I said before, it's a player's league, but at the same time, um, and that Topher said this a lot about Dwayne Casey when we were arguing the other day about whether it was, whether his firing was um, valid or, or you know, deserved, right, um, and Tyrone Lou, like, what are you doing? What, what are your guys, how is your guy, point guard, getting back down all the way to the bucket by Marcus Smart with no help scoring, like, what like how are your guys not prepared for something like that?
0: Yeah, I think there's there's a big cloud hanging over the organization and I think it's a it's a mix of future uncertainty in terms of both roster composition and what's gonna happen with LeBron in the off season. I think it's pretty obvious by now that my, my predictions that he was going to leave are almost certainly going to come true. I mean, even if he does win this series, he's not winning the next one. Right you know, and he's not, they have nothing, you know, everything they have is, is not going to get better with maybe the exception of Nansen hood, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, what kind of future does that team have?
1: Yeah. I think you're spot on a hundred percent with the cloud, the uncertainty cloud. Um, you, there's a lot of guys don't know what's going to happen next year. Right. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm with you all the way. That I think LeBron's gone. Where, where he goes, I don't know. People say L.A. I really think he's going to look for a situation where he doesn't have to carry the entire load all the time. Um, he'll be able to extend his career that way. He'll be able to battle for championships. and Whatever that is, whether it's uh, people say Houston, Philadelphia, whatever he finds is a, uh, you know, a fit for that. I, he's not going to go to a place just because of the location. If he goes to the Lakers, he's going there with another superstar in tow. And, you know, they'll build around that and the young guys that they have. But he, uh, there's no chance he's going to a team where he's got to completely carry the load the way he does. No, now.
0: and I don't really think he can. I think we are really, really starting to see signs of, it, if not aging outright, him taking steps, which is part of the problem, really, to save himself for when he absolutely must play his best.
1: Right. We, we saw that, it's especially this year during the regular season, right? How many games did we see where LeBron just, I mean, he may have an offensive game, but he's not playing defense or, um, you know, and, and we know that he can do that. I mean, he still has that ability. Um, but like you said, trying to keep some extra gas in the tank. If he plays on a team with other stars on it, he's not going to have to be the guy and drag the whole team to a win every night.
0: Yeah, Kevin Love is not that
1: guy. No, and, and Kevin Love's a, a very good player. That's not even – like, I wouldn't even take a knock at him. I think he's a – you know, he can be the second-best player on a team, but your third-best player has to be much better than their third-best player is, you know? I mean, Who is their third-best player? Is it George Hill? I mean – Oh, boy, I don't maybe. even know.
0: I, I would say – I have no answer, really. It depends on the night.
1: Yeah, that, when that's what the problem is with the Cavs, you know? I, I do expect, however – Going into Game 3, I expect them to give us the same kind of punch that we got in Game 2 to start. Come out hot. LeBron, shooters hitting shots. J.R. Smith's not going to go over a million again. Although, maybe he will. I don't know. You never know with that guy. But I expect their three-point shooters to be making shots at home. I think Game 3 is going to be very difficult for the Celtics to win.
0: While you bring up J.R. Smith, I uh, really want to talk about his... You know, before we jump into Game Three.
1: Oh yeah, before before we move on to Game Three, we do have to discuss.
0: <laughs> I, I just got to get what something off my, my chest, and you know, any team, any team, any play where you push a guy who is in the air, you know, if you if you did that by accident, you're a dumbass. Now, mm-hmm. if you do that intentionally and have the fucking stones to admit it. You're just a fucking piece of shit, man. Yeah. Get the fuck out of the league before you fucking hurt somebody. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm I, I I'm not. Anyone that listens to this pod regularly knows I am not a big fan of J R Smith. I I, I don't like players that are uh, complete streaky, hot, cold like that. I, I don't like guys that you just can't rely on night to night to do. Um, you know, and, and he's worse now than ever in terms of which J R Smith's going to show up. You rarely see the one that's actually. Hitting a ton of shots, uh, he doesn't really play defense anymore, or at least not at a at a good level. Uh, he used to be a pretty good defender. He wanted um, to be. He used to be a super athletic guy. Um, you know, he he could dunk. Uh, he was in the dunk contest at least one year. Um, you know, yeah. Well, he was. It was always a weather he applied himself, but he never had a problem applying himself shooting. Uh, but hey, I uh, one of the funniest things I saw after the game too. Mm-hmm. Um, was a play. Uh, somebody tweeted this of J.R. Smith. His teammate was coming to the basket for a layup. I don't remember who it was. It was, it was you know, uh, if it was Rodney Hood or, or George Hill. Uh, ran into him. He ran into his own player coming up the, up the field. His player um, fumbled the ball, passed, kicked it back out somehow. Somehow regained control, kicked it back out. J.R. Smith fell out of bounds, gets back up, and immediately calls for the ball. <laughs> After he just ran into his own teammate, like, and then, meanwhile, he's over eight or whatever it was, but somebody made, somebody made some video of like the stones on this guy to, to, um, to, to, to have the, that, right, to have the gall to just jump back up after you just ran into your own teammate and, 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 and puts his hands up for the ball. This is in the fourth quarter of the game. I was, uh, that, that, that made me, that made me laugh. Uh, but. While we're on Smith, like, we were you surprised that the league didn't, um, didn't, um, you know, do anything besides the the flagrant call afterwards?
0: Kind of, yeah, because, I mean, this is, you know, I mean, they missed the call. They they really could have gotten him with a second technical for the drawing after the situation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that that was kind of shocking that they didn't when they just, when they kept going at it. Um, I, I mean, I, I do, the refs did a pretty good job of defusing the situation, um, it, you know, for what it was, uh, the other players on the court too. Um, and I mean, while I, I while it was obviously a despicable move, I was really surprised to see how many people around the NBA thought that that was a disgusting, you know, uh, play. Uh, I, I don't get me wrong. I did, but he's also our player. So I, I feel like it takes it to another level, but, um, no, I know, and you're right, you're right. But to, to validate your your thoughts on it, I mean, I saw everybody around the NBA, um, fans of whatever team it was, even Cavs fans were saying how bad that was. Uh, you know, I had, yeah, so, um, you know, I had the envy after the game, and I saw a bunch of comments from Cavs fans about where well, that was really trash. And they were pissed at J.R. Smith anyways because he was awful in that game. So, I mean, I'm, that obviously has something to do with it. But, um, yeah, I mean... I was a little shocked that they didn't do anything else, just basically for on purpose. So, I mean,
0: we're missing a guy, you know, a, an all-star, basically. Yeah, because that fell this. on a
1: play that was on accident that would, could have been very similar to that in terms of falling from that height, you know? And hey, and Hayward didn't look like he came down anywhere near as badly as as, um, uh, as uh, Orford did there. So definitely, uh, <laughs> you know, a little whatever. But what are you going to do? Um, anyways, back to game three, so so game three, after the mini vacation we have here, um, Saturday night, like I was saying, I I think the caps come out, give us that same punch that they gave us the other day. And I think it's going to be very difficult for the the Celtics to win game three. Um, I do think though, if they can keep it close, um, and keep the pressure on in the second half, the, the key is to not get down by too much in the first half right? Um, I could see the Cavs getting out to a huge lead in the first half and then coasting to a win. Um, although we've, you know, we always see the Celtics battle back from stuff like that, from any insurmountable lead. It seems like they can get themselves back into the game, but on the road, um, against LeBron, who I think will probably have another 40 triple, 40 point triple double. Um, if I was, if, if I was guessing, right. Uh, the three point shooters actually hitting threes. Um, so that's that's my thing. I, if, if I had to pick, I think it's going to be really hard for the Celtics to win game three. Um,
0: I do too. And I, I picture LeBron, instead of going nuclear like he tried to do in the first quarter of game two, I look at him as becoming the super distributor mm-hmm. and really trying to get his guys to light it up. Because like you said, everyone assumes, and I think he does too, that they will play better right. at home. With a crowd behind them, with a familiar environment. I think I think that it will be. I don't think it's impossible for the Celtics to win Game mm-hmm. Three, but I do think that if they do win a game in Cleveland, which is going to be pretty difficult, even even with this Cavs team's mm-hmm. defense and everything else that we've been talking about, I do think that the easier game is going to be
1: right. Game yeah, four. I, and I agree with you too. I, I think you know there's a good chance they come out, blow their load in Game Three, and then we have an opportunity to steal Game Four. Uh, said a thing that does concern me. Uh, and not that this is going to bother the Celtics at all, but I get a little worried when I hear all around the league everyone talking about how dead the Cavaliers are. Um, that makes a certain person very angry. Yeah, you know, you no, but I mean, it, it makes me a little uneasy given that a lot of people didn't give us a chance coming into the series. I think uh, I I had thought we had a I thought we had a fifty fifty shot at least to win the series. That was my thinking coming in. I thought you know it was. A lot of things depended on what would happen, you know, if the Cavaliers could play together as a team and if LeBron was completely out of his mind. Uh, We've already seen we can play when LeBron's pretty close to completely out of his mind. So uh, we can still win those games, but it is the Cavs team that they're going to need. But it worries me that when you hear around the NBA, because everyone was picking them for, even after getting smoked in game one, all the national guys that weren't named Paul Pierce were saying that, oh, the Cavs are going to, um, you know, they're, they're going to come back and you watch in game two. And it sure looked like that. I saw those tweets firing out in that first quarter of that game. Oh, this is the Cavs team. They're back, blah, 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 blah. And then they did. They weren't. So um, do you think that's – what are your thoughts on that? You know, and it's cause, because it does concern me a little bit that now everybody's saying the Cavs are dead. And these guys are the same guys that have been wrong all along. So, Well,
0: I mean, we've had plenty of evidence that it is – Not the best bet to bet against a LeBron-led team, but I think there's a lot of factors to consider here, and the narrative aspect of it is something that LeBron definitely uses regardless of how he talks about at the podium after a game with zero level of concern, blah, 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 blah. He, He has a lot more than zero level of concern, and it's all about trying to control the narrative as much as it is about trying to control the game itself, because people feed off of that. And to a certain extent, I've also been trying to stay away from being irrationally exuberant about our current situation, which is really goddamn hard to do, let me say. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, no, I've kind of had that same feeling, and, you know, my Homer heart has us winning Banner 18. But, you know, the Homer heart is... Not good for reasonable basketball <laughs> analysis for right. anyone, you know. Which is what I'm trying to do for the people. So, with that in mind, I have been really trying to temper, you know, home court advantage and LeBron's history. Yeah, it's definitely the weakest team he's had since he was young, you know, since 2010. Really, when we not? Yeah, I,
1: I don't even. It's not even close.
0: Yeah, but that said. It's still a LeBron-led team, and, you know, I don't want to really will this kind of narrative into existence, but if he comes back from something like this, it's going to be one of, if not the most amazing, and he's already done one of, if not the most amazing, playoff turnarounds in, in the sports history. So I'm a little wary about pronouncing us definitively ahead as it
1: were yeah i i don't know that it'll all be that historic i mean i if the Cavs win the next two games at home we're looking at what two games two out of three with two at home um you know i i would like our chances in a game five i guess but uh, game seven against lebron at the garden i i don't really look forward to that i mean uh it would be fun to send him home but um yeah, I I, 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 until we if we won another game, if we go up three games to one, and then they he somehow came back, I would say that's that would be incredible. But um, if, if they win their next two games at home, we're still locked up, and this is you know obviously um, you know headed for six or seven games. But um, I, I, I wouldn't. I don't know. I'm just. I, I don't think it would be all that historic just yet. But. But given the way that that we've won these games, though, I, I can see where where you where you come from with that, though.
0: It's just the quality of the team that's surrounding him. If somebody can can get to the NBA Finals basically mm-hmm. by their own volition with, a, with like a rec league around them, more or less in, in terms of comparison, that's pretty freaking amazing. That's in my mind, that's even more impressive than the considerably better team yeah, that he had came back from yeah. the Warriors to that,
1: I, I hear that so. for sure and yeah, well aside from the games this week we've also had um, the draft lottery and for Celtics fans it was at least a little bit exciting I mean I didn't really get my hopes up so I wasn't expecting anything it was going to be more of a oh wow that would be really awesome uh, I didn't expect this to land in any, obviously with the percentages. Um, So I had already wiped that from my mind that that wasn't going to happen. And I was already looking at how, how terrible can Sacramento be next year? Uh, Unfortunately, Sacramento did move up in the draft. They ended up with the number two pick, which, uh, which kind of stinks for a number of reasons. Uh, One most which being that, uh, you know, we, we now hold the rights to Sacramento's pick next year. Um, or get or Phillies pick whichever one's worse I think we can most of us can agree that it'll probably be Sacramento's. unless of course it's the number one overall pick which in that case will we will get Phillies pick still um so number two uh Phoenix has the number one overall pick in the draft what what do you think uh Sacramento where where do you think they're gonna go and and what how big of a you know how much can they can I mean can how how far a, a from the bottom can they come
0: Ooh, yeah they are bad and they have a horrible mix of players they have a bunch of big men in a game that is dominated by wings and you know like they they drafted Papagianis i think at 13 last year when most people had him in the second round so i fully expect them to completely botch this and you know kind of kind of go the whole uh I don't know. Maybe maybe they won't they won't pick a bust in this particular draft. But I, I have very very little faith in their front office. Uh, Phoenix has actually been really not so great drafting in the last couple of years either. So maybe one of the two of them will actually get it right. But I, I don't think that either of them is making the playoffs. So
1: yeah. Okay. So and well, and here's here's a scenario here. Um, uh, who do you, number one? You think it's Aiden? deandre Aiden.
0: it really depends because some of you may who follow the depth a little bit more closely had probably heard that luka Doncic uh, may stay in europe until 2019 and for for a team that just hired one of his old coaches and you know and you have kind of like a EuroLeague reunion in phoenix uh that doesn't bode very well considering they have the top pick. It makes me wonder what exactly that's about. Whether it's really, does he really like what he's doing over there? And is not really that invested in playing in the NBA? Is there some kind of other thing going on? Does he want to make sure that he gets to Phoenix? Like, I really.
1: Maybe. Well, here's my thing. I, and I, uh, like, I can't imagine Phoenix, like, not wanting to see what they have now. Um, you know, they already played the waiting game with Dragon Bender. Um, you know, you've got, you've got Devin Booker, uh, you've got Josh Jackson. Uh, I don't, I, I can't see them wanting to stash a guy for a year. If, if that's what Doncic is really wants to do, if, if he really thinks he's going to wait another year, uh, do you think that's positioning to keep him away from Phoenix? Is that what you're saying?
0: It's just really weird because you would think, see, I mean, their, yeah. his old coach is heading the team that has the pick that could take mm-hmm. him. He would say, you know, I'm really happy to play for whoever, but yeah, it yeah, would yeah. Be, it would be great to be blah 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 blah, and that's not what we're hearing.
1: Well, that would be ideal for us if Doncic goes number two because and, and, and doesn't come next year. You know, you know what I mean. If that, I mean, if that's the case, and he's really being truthful about that, that's like best case scenario for us because then what Sacramento going to add? You know, in the off season. Wow. Yeah,
0: and like basically everybody else who's likely to go for Sacramento at that point in terms of talent, unless they really do something stupid, which they very well could. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, everybody else who's going to be on the board Ayton, Marvin Bagley, Jaron Jackson, Mobamba, they're all either combo forwards, forwards, or centers, mm-hmm. which are the last thing that this team needs in terms of roster building. Now, they could flip it uh, or some of the players for other parts, but none of them are particularly great. So they're not going to get anything particularly mm-hmm. good back for it either, you know. So I don't know. I, I really don't expect Sacramento's situation to change very much, no matter who they draft.
1: All right. Well, I like to hear that. Um, and and uh, speak well. What? How about the Celtics? So now, um, so now, missing out on getting one of those top picks this year. Uh, we're we're picking. What are we picking? Twenty seventh. Seventh. Um, anybody in range there that you? expect or or at least hope how about how about who would you who do you think could possibly slip to us that that perhaps uh you know would be right up angels alley
0: there's a couple of different guys that i i put together uh, just a nice short list of guys i think that could either slip or would be a good fit uh grace and we've talked about before you know he's a jerk He's a dirty player, but I mean he's bigger, he can hit the three, and he's done it a lot. He's a little older, but most of the most of the aging thing I think came about because his antics kind of hurt his draft position. I kind of feel at this point that you know, once he's in a situation where he's actually earning money for a living that he might slip into some bad habits and do some dumb things, but, I mean, we've had players like that before. And I, I, to me, if somebody who could have been a lottery pick had they declared earlier, potentially, I'm not saying he was, and that anyone was definitely going to pick him, but there was talk of him being a lottery pick earlier. But He, he might have been,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, he, he, to me, in my mind, he's a good option to think about if he's available People are thinking he could he could uh, go as far as like the high twenties, so
1: mm-hmm.
0: he he might be in our range, but he could go earlier than that too. Uh, Jalen Brunson is one of two players from Villanova I think that would be particularly useful, particularly if we need to replace uh, Terry Rozier or really anybody. Uh, in the backcourt that we are going to rely on for second unit scoring. He's a three-level scorer. He's a good defender and distributor, but he is short. So that is something that's kind of pushed him down despite a, you know, really the highest level of success he won a national championship. So, mm-hmm. there you know, that, that is something to think Some about. Some pedigree there. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, as a UConn fan and, and watching what has happened with Shabazz Napier, like, yeah, sure, guy sticks around for multiple years and is a little undersized. It makes you worried, but, you know, Shabazz Napier may not be a star in this league ever, but he is a very serviceable second-unit point guard who could, you know, threaten to develop into a, a starting point guard on a bad team at this point. And with the 27th pick of the draft, that's about what you're likely to get if you are lucky. So I would be okay with that. Tyus Battle of Syracuse, six-foot-six guard. He's a great defender, uh, but he is turnover-prone and has a bad shot selection, kind of like someone else we can think of who might not be here in the future. Uh, beside him, there is Omari Spellman of, of Villanova, who is a 6'9 combo forward. He can rebound, he can block, he shoots to three. Really a prototypical uh, Brad Stevens slash Danny Ainge, you know, current...
1: Lost <laughs> your yeah. kind of
0: guy, and then the only other guy I could really that has really been catching my attention is Jacob Evans out of Cincinnati, who is a switchable wing who can hit the three and defend pretty well. Uh, but before we get into uh, the, the 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 non-draft stuff, I just want to say I am very happy with the ultimate return of the Cleveland Cavaliers for their trade for Kyrie Irving, which is basically um, some lint and the number eight pick.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes. I co-sign that a thousand percent. Maybe they nail that eighth pick and they got a superstar. You know, I mean, that's obviously a possibility. But... uh... Could happen.
0: Trey Young has been talked about and a lot of people are down on him, but... You know he could be available in that range, and he, you know he he has the the drive. If not, you know the guarantee. There's nothing guaranteed that late in the draft. Like you, you're probably gonna get a starter in the, the first three picks, unless you're really below it mm-hmm. Anthony Bennett kind of style. But you know, as long as, as long as you are doing your your research, you're probably gonna come out okay. You still have a good chance at number eight, but. You know, whoever they end up picking, they will be lucky if they get at least a starter out of that. They could get a starter, though.
1: Yeah, no, it's certainly, you know, obviously, they come from everywhere. But, you know, ideally, they would have liked to have been a little higher than that. Um, So, uh, moving on. Pass the lottery. Um, If if the Celtics do pull this off, uh, what kind of a hit does this... I mean, and by this off, I mean beating the Cavs. Um, what kind of hit is this to LeBron's legacy?
0: Well, I kind of feel like he's already taken that hit, but he's not winning a title this year. He's aging, you know. I don't think it'd be a big hit. Frankly speaking, much of what has happened with the state of his roster is at least partially his fault. You know, there's something to be said for the the front office's cost-cutting measures but it's also understandable we've had this conversation several times so i mean there's a limited amount of blame that you can lay directly on his shoulders but he did also put himself in this position and at this point i feel like the damage is already done i don't think it's going to be too much more of a hit if he loses the series just because it's really clear, you know, it was clear going into his prime, and now it's clear come, come, him coming out of his prime. That even as a a top five, wherever you want to rank him, over like all time player, it's just not enough, you know. And mm-hmm. you might want to give him a bigger ding on his legacy for how he's approached team building as a person with enough leverage to make that something he can partially control more so than anything to do with his actual skill.
1: What about you? My thing here is I don't think that it takes a huge hit to his legacy. I think, you know, um, I I think people are going to come to say just how shitty this Cavs team really was. You know, he had no help, whatever. That's how the LeBron apologists will polish it and whatever. They can get away with that. I don't care. What I love is, this will be full circle. The streaks of his finals appearances started at the Celtics' expense. Absolutely. And it will end with (laughs) at our expense. So, you know, we were the last team to beat him. The 2010 team, we went back to the finals. Um, the, The team that sent him out of Cleveland on the run to Miami to build the super team, right? And it's almost like it's happening all over again, full circle. Um, we both, we we both, and many people, many people are saying that LeBron is, is going to, uh, jettison obviously. And, uh, you know, wherever it is, it'll be so great that the Celtics did it again. Like we, whether or not we we think he's leaving either way, right? Whether he beats us or not, I, I would just love it so much more if we were the ones to send him packing once again and, and running from Cleveland and back to, to get reinforcements.
0: Yeah. I kind of agree there, there were moments where I, I just remember thinking I cannot wait to pay this mother bleep back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I did not think we would be able to not do that in
0: this. the timeframe. I, I agree.
1: No. And at least not like I, I was hoping that we could catch LeBron, at least at the end of his career. Um, you know, I, I just didn't expect us to turn around as quickly as we did. Um, And for him to still be on top, at least in top of the East, right? He's been on top of the East for the last decade. Um, And for us to actually get a shot to be able to knock him out and be here uh, next year, if if he runs to the LA or goes to the Rockets, uh, we wouldn't have that opportunity unless he came in the finals. And I don't know, I I would take a lot of joy. I I mean, our chances in the finals are going to be very, very slim. But I would take a lot of joy in knocking, in ending LeBron's final streak, and just sending him, shipping him out of Cleveland again, like on the run. I, I, I that would really make me happy. Yeah. <laughs> on the, on the flip side, now the the Celtics playing so well this year. I mean, obviously they they they, they were without Hayward all year. We really didn't get to see how the team played with him uh Kyrie goes down uh and here we are in the Eastern Conference Finals uh up two games to none on Cleveland what what is this I mean what what do you think this does to you know Kyrie I mean obviously he's there rooting his team on he wants him to win I don't care what anybody says but at the same time like is this kind of picture like oh like Terry Rozier's played so well you know, does this change anybody's perception on him? Nah,
0: I mean, if we are in a situation where <laughs> Kyrie's knee is is something of a longer term problem, great, we are in a great position.
1: Right. right? No, I I think that's spot on. Yes,
0: but you know, everyone's talking about is is this hurting Kyrie Irving? How well they're doing? No. Look look at, look at both teams could have used him and both teams made deep runs into the play. Well, how come nobody's saying this about Mm -hmm. Gordon Hayward? Because both teams he left both made very deep runs into the playoffs. And it's just, it's just, it's apples to oranges people. It's just, these are not commensurable situations. No, they developed organically and, I I really, you know, I'm not a mind reader, but I don't think either Kyrie or Gordon Hayward is in any way jealous. I think all they are doing is chomping at the bit for next season when they are going to run over everyone.
1: I cannot wait for people seeing them play next year to be like, oh, wow, like, I forgot how good Gordon Hayward was. Like, he's one of the top, at worst, top 20 players in Gordon Hayward. Uh, Kyrie's... at, I would say top 10, uh, top 15 at worst, right? I mean, these guys are like two of the best players in the NBA. People forget, like people, uh, Terry Rozier has played great. I mean, there's no bigger fan of Terry Rozier than me. He's not Kyrie Irving. Uh, Kyrie Irving, he does other things better than it, but perhaps whatever. He You don't see Terry Rozier scoring 50 points a game. Uh, if he ever does that, I, I hope he does, you know, but... He he's not on that level, Um, no. And and maybe he will be someday. I don't know. But you know, Kyrie Irving is he's one of the best scorers in the league, Um, shooters, uh, ball handlers. uh, Granted, Rogier does a lot of these things well, but people like he can't take over an entire game the way that Kyrie can. Um, And Gordon Hayward. Uh, the same thing like the the great play that we've seen from uh Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum Gordon Hayward like does that all the time right (laughs) so these guys when they have a great night that's what Gordon Hayward was supposed to be doing like most nights for us you know and and granted we've lucked out those kids have been fantastic and I'm not knocking what they've done Uh, but I'm just trying to illustrate that like what they are doing now and they've been been doing pretty well lately. I mean, we knew we were going to get that from Gordon Hayward every every night. So to be able to go into next year with those three guys, it's going to be it's going to be incredible. So I I know I'm I'm psyched. Um, and I think people is going to be a big eye opening for a lot of people. Um, especially since a lot of them didn't get to see Gordon on this team. I think there's a lot of people that didn't see a lot of Jazz games and don't even understand like they, they they got the hype going into the season and then it just kind of deflated when he went down and I think a lot of people are gonna be shocked next year
0: well that's probably a good good uh, jumping off point to get the heck out of here anything you wanna you want to say before we get out
1: no but I will say everyone please don't forget to check out the links at the top of Celticslife.com. we've always got a huge variety of shirts and hoodies in our store and you can even grab game, tickets to the next game over there um, you can find the blog on the pod on blog talk radio itunes google play stitcher and most podcatcher apps make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and if you like what you hear be sure to rate us five stars if you don't like something or have a suggestion you can always hit us up in the comment section of any celtics life oracle or on twitter with that hashtag clpod guys been a great time getting ready for end of our vacation saturday night game three go seas from me and justin we'll catch you guys later take care y'all